Chapter Seven of the Roots of the Mountains by William Morris. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Face of God talketh with the friend on the mountain. So now went all men to bed, and face of God's shut bed was over against the outer door and toward the lower end of the hall, and on the panel about it hung the weapons and shields of men. Fair was that chamber and roomy and the man was weary despite his eagerness so that he went to sleep as soon as his head touched the pillow but within a while he deemed about two hours after midnight he was awaked by the clattering of the weapons against the panel and the sound of men's hands taking them down and when he was fully awake he heard withal men going up and down the house as if on errands but he called to mind what the friend had said to him and he did not so much as turn himself toward the hall for he said belike these men are outlaws and wolves of the holy places yet by seeming they are good fellows and naught churlish nor have i to do with taking up the feud against them i will abide the morning yet meseemeth that she drew me hither for what cause therewith he fell asleep again and dreamed no more but when he awoke the sun was shining broad upon the hall floor and he sat up and listened but could hear no sound save the moaning of the wind in the pine-boughs and the chatter of the starlings about the gables of the house and the place seemed so exceeding lonely to him that he was in a manner feared by that loneliness then he arose and clad himself and went forth into the hall and gazed about him and at first he deemed indeed that there was no one therein but at last he looked and beheld the upper gable and there underneath a most goodly hanging was the glorious shape of a woman sitting on a bench covered over with a cloth of gold and silver and he looked and looked to see if the woman might stir and if she were alive and she turned her head toward him and lo it was the friend and his heart rose to his mouth for wonder and fear and desire for now he doubted whether the other folk were aught save shows and shadows and she the goddess who had fashioned them out of nothing for his bewilderment presently to return to nothing yet whatever he might fear or doubt he went up the hall towards her till he was quite nigh to her and there he stood silent wondering at her beauty and desiring her kindness grey-eyed she was like her brother but her hair the colour of red wheat her lips full and red her chin round her nose fine and straight her hands and all her body fashioned exceeding sweetly and delicately yet not as if she were an image of which the like might be found if the craftsman were but deft enough to make a perfect thing but in such a way that there was none like to her for those that had eyes to behold her as she was and none could ever be made like to her even by such a master craftsman as could fashion a body without a blemish she was clad in a white smock whose hems were broidered with gold wire and precious gems of the mountains and over that a gown woven of gold and silver scarce hath the world such another on her head was a fillet of gold and gems and there were wondrous gold rings on her arms her feet lay bare on the dark grey wolf-skin that was stretched before her she smiled kindly upon his solemn and troubled face and her voice sounded strangely familiar to him coming from all that loveliness as she said hail face of god here am i left alone although i deemed last night that i should be gone with the others 
therefore am i fain to show myself to thee in fairer array than yesternight for though we dwell in the wild wood afar from the solace of folk yet are we not of thralls blood but come now i bid thee break thy fast and talk with me a little while and then shalt thou depart in peace spake face of god and his voice trembled as he spake what art thou last night i deemed at whiles once and again that thou wert of the gods and now that i behold thee thus and it is broad daylight and of those others is no more to be seen than if they had never lived i cannot but deem that it is even so and that thou comest from the city that shall never perish now if thou be a goddess i have naught to pray thee save to slay me speedily if thou hast a mind for my death but if thou art a woman she broke in gold mane stay thy prayer and hold thy peace for this time lest thou repent when repentance availeth not and this i say because i am none of the gods nor akin to them say far off through the generations as art thou also and all men of goodly kindred now i bid thee eat thy meat since tis ill talking betwixt a full man and a fasting and i have dight it myself with mine own hands for bome and the woodmother went away with the rest three hours before dawn come sit and eat as thou hast a hardy heart as forsooth thou shouldest do if i were a very goddess take heed friend lest i take thee for some damsel of the lower dale arrayed in earl's garments she laughed therewith and leaned toward him and put forth her hand to him and he took it and caressed it and the exceeding beauty of her body and of the raiment which was as it were a part of her and her loveliness made her laughter and her friendly words strange to him as if one did not belong to the other as in a dream it might be nevertheless he did as she bade him and sat at the board and ate while she leaned forward on the arm of her chair and spake to him in a friendly wise and he wondered as she spake that she knew so much of him and his and he kept saying to himself she drew me hither wherefore did she so but she said go main how fareth thy father the alderman is he as good a right as ever he told her yea that ever was his hammer on the iron the copper and the gold and that no right in the dale was as deft as he said she would he not have had thee seek to the cities to see the ways of the outer world yea said he she said thou wert wise to naysay that offer thou shalt have enough to do in the dale and round about it in twelve months time art thou foresighted said he folk have called me so she said but i wot not but the brother hallface how fareth he well said he to my deeming he is the sword of our house and the warrior of the dale if the days were ready for him and stoneface that stark ancient she said doth he still love the folk of the dale and hate all other folks nay he said i know not that but i know that he loveth us and above all me and my father again she spake how fareth the bride the fair maid to whom thou art affianced as she spake it was to him as if his heart was stricken cold but he put a force upon himself and neither reddened nor whitened nor changed countenance in any way so he answered she was well the eve of yesterday then he remembered what she was and her beauty and valour and he constrained himself to say each day she groweth fairer there is no man's son and no daughter of woman that does not love her yea the very beasts of the field and fold love her the friend looked at him steadily and spake no word 
but a red flush mounted to her cheeks and brow and changed her face and he marvelled thereat for still he misdoubted that she was a goddess but it passed away in a moment and she smiled and said guest thou seemest to wonder that i know concerning thee and the dale and thy kindred but now shalt thou wot that i have been in the dale once and again and my brother oftener still and that i have seen thee before yesterday that is marvellous quoth he for sure am i that i have not seen thee yet thou hast seen me she said yet not altogether as i am now and therewith she smiled on him friendly how is this said he art thou a skin changer yea in a fashion she said hearken dost thou perchance remember a day of last summer when there was a market holden in burgstead and there stood in the way over against the house of the face a tall old carl who was trucking deerskins for diverse gear and with him was a queen tall and dark-skinned somewhat well liking her hair bound up in a white quaff so that none of it could be seen by the token that she had a large stone of mountain blue set in silver stuck in the said quaff as she spoke she set her hand to her bosom and drew something from it and held forth her hand to goldmane and lo amidst the palm the great blue stone set in silver wondrous as a dream is this said face of god for these twain i remember well and what followed she said i will tell thee that there came a man of the shepherd folk drunk or foolish or both who began to chaffer with the big carl but ever on the queen were his eyes set and presently he put forth his hand to clip her whereon the big carl hove up his fist and smote him so that he fell to earth nosling then ran the folk together to hale off the stranger and help the shepherd and it was like that the stranger should be mishandled then there thrust through the press a young man with yellow hair and grey eyes who cried out fellows let be the stranger had the right of it this is no matter to make a quarrel or a court case of let the market go on the man and maid are true folk so when the folk heard the young man and his bidding they forbore and let the carl and the queen be and the shepherd went his ways a little hurt now then who was this young man quoth goldmane it was even i and meseemeth it was no great deed to do yea she said and the big carl was my brother and the tall queen it was myself how then said he for she was as dark-skinned as a dwarf and thou so bright and fair she said well if the woods are good for nothing else yet are they good for the growing of herbs and i know the craft of simpling and with one of these herbs had i stained my skin and my brother's also and it showed the darker beneath the white quaff yea said he but why must ye needs fare in feigned shapes ye would have been welcome guests in the dale howsoever ye had come i may not tell thee hereof as now said she said goldmane yet thou mayst belike tell me wherefore it was that thy brother desired to slay me yesterday if he knew me who i was goldmane she said thou art not slain so little story need be made of that for the rest belike he knew thee not at that moment so it falls with us that we look to see foes rather than friends in the wildwoods many uncouth things are therein moreover i must tell thee of my brother that whiles he is as the stalled bull late let loose and nothing is good to him save battle and onset and then he is blind and knows not friend from foe 
said face of god thou hast asked of me and mine wilt thou not tell me of thee and thine nay she said not as now thou must betake thee to the way whither wert thou wending when thou happenst upon us he said i know not i was seeking something but i knew not what meseemeth that now i have found it art thou for the great mountains seeking gems she said ye go not thither to-day for who knoweth what thou shalt meet there that shall be thy foe he said nay nay i have nought to do but to abide here as long as i may looking upon thee and hearkening to thy voice her eyes were upon his but yet she did not seem to see him and for a while she answered not and still he wondered that mere word should come from so fair a thing for whether she moved foot or hand or knee or turned this way or that each time she stirred it was a caress to his very heart he spake again may i not abide here a while what scathe may be in that it is not so she said thou must depart and that straightway lo there lieth thy spear with which the wood-mother hath brought in from the waste take thy gear to thee and wend thy ways have patience i will lead thee to the place where we first met and there give thee farewell therewith she arose and he also perforce and when they came to the doorway she stepped across the threshold and then turned back and gave him her hand and so led him forth the sun flashing back from her golden raiment together they went over the short grey grass of that hillside till they came to the place where he had arisen from that wrestle with her brother there she stayed him and said this is the place here we must part but his heart failed him and he faltered in his speech as he said when shall i see thee again wilt thou slay me if i seek to thee hither once more hearken she said autumn is now a-dying into winter let winter and its snows go past nor seek to me hither for me thou shouldst not find but thy death thou mightest well fall in with and i would not that thou shouldst die when winter is gone and spring is on the land if thou hast not forgotten us thou shalt meet us again yet shalt thou go further than this woodland hall in shadowy vale shalt thou seek to me then and there will i talk with thee and where said he is shadowy vale for thereof i have never heard tell she said the token when it cometh to thee shall show thee thereof and the way thither art thou a babbler gold mane he said i have won no prize for babbling hitherto she said if thou listest to babble concerning what hath befallen thee on the mountain so do and repent it once only that is thy life long why should i say any word thereof said he dost thou not know the sweetness of such a tale untold he spake as one who is somewhat wrathful and she answered humbly and kindly well is that bide thou the token that shall lead thee to shadowy vale farewell now she drew her hand from his and turned and went her way swiftly to the house he could not choose but gaze on her as she went glittering bright and fair in that great place of the mountains till the dark doorway swallowed up her beauty then he turned away and took the path through the pine woods muttering to himself as he went what things have i done now that hitherto i had not done what manner of man am i to-day other than the man i was yesterday End of chapter 7